Welcome to the Fundraising Freedom Podcast with Mary Baloney. I'm your host, Mary Baloney, and this is the place where fundraisers come to be encouraged, empowered, and educated on how to raise more funds and have more freedom. Today, we are fortunate to have a special guest in an interview with a new friend of mine, uh, Evan Cox. Uh, Evan is, he has been working with uh, the Joyce Myers Ministries for some time, has such a background in nonprofit work with the St. Louis Dream Center, uh, Hand of Hope, and a variety of others, but he's also a incredible copywriter. And so um, I wanted to make sure that Evan got a chance to come on the show, share his incredible insights on fundraising and the work that he's done. So welcome to the show, Evan. Thanks so much, Mary. It's an honor to be here. And uh, when we first chatted, it honestly wasn't that long ago, but it did not take long at all for me to see that we had a number of mutual connections, a mutual love uh, for fundraising in a way that really values um, everybody involved. And so when we had chatted about jumping on the podcast, I thought this would be a fantastic outlet. I'm excited to join you today. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, I don't normally get to interview people who are like right down the street from me. And <laughs> we're both, true. We are both true. in St. Louis, Missouri, but yet, uh, you know, due to all this uh, craziness of COVID-19, we are not sitting in the same room together, unfortunately. <laughs> so, but- it's True, but we do have a shared love for, um, I'm sure, a number of the same restaurants and, uh, you know, spots around town that are all either not open or hard to get to these days. So uh, I'm sure at some point we could reminisce about that, too. I know, exactly. Well, they opened up Pappy's, which is my favorite barbecue place in St. Louis. I don't know if you've ever been there. But I have. It's definitely in my top five. Okay, top five. um, (laughs) And there's nothing like waiting in line for good barbecue. And there's something about this season that just feels like I, I think the line might be just a little bit too long. So I haven't oh. been there recently, but I would love to get back soon. Oh my gosh. Well, we just placed it to go order and we just got, got it. And it was, yeah, it was nice. It was a, it was a good day, but regardless, let's talk about fundraising. <laughs> so barbecue will be episode two. We'll, we'll jump yes. in that next time. To be continued. We will continue the barbecue, but I think that even better in St. Louis would be more Italian food and all that other good stuff. But anyways, Mm. so, okay, Evan, tell everybody, I mean, I know I just did like a broad overview of what you do, but like, tell us what, I mean, what do you do? What, what is, what is Evan Cox all about? (laughs) That's a great question. So, um, as you know, there are a number of different on-ramps Um, to get into the fundraising and nonprofit development arena. And for me, uh, my wife and I actually started um, fundraising to go on short-term and then eventually long-term mission trip opportunities um, that took us to uh, just about 20 different countries around the globe. And so for us, our fundraising journey wasn't simply about um, a development tactic or maybe even a best practice or some of the things that you may see uh, floated around today that are all very good points. Um, It was a very personal and very passionate approach to fundraising because it meant that we either did or didn't get to take part in the cause we cared so much about. And so for us, um, that involved uh, fundraising with friends, family, uh, churches, folks in the community, and then also testing the waters to figure out, okay, if we step outside of that zone, 
and jump into a larger context of people who maybe don't know us in the same way that friends and family and relatives do. Um, what resonates with them? Um, is it us? Is it the cause we care about? Is it the location that we're investing in? What, what is it that resonates with them? And so our journey into fundraising um, was a very personal one um, that led us to multiple different countries and uh, eventually back here to St. Louis, our shared hometown, where um, I was involved in a number of elements on the outreach side. Um, so anybody who's involved in the nonprofit arena would be very familiar with like an outreach driven role and a fundraising, marketing or operational role. Um, a lot of missionaries that we both know and love probably uh, occupy all of those seats and have to use all of those hats all at once. Um, but for a long, long time, I had transitioned directly into an outreach capacity uh, before more recently in the last couple of years, jumping back into a fundraising um, capacity. And so that informed everything about how we operate. Uh, because for anybody who jumps into a fundraising role, you know the first thing you need to know is all about the cause or the mission that is driving your donors to action. And so for me, having sat in an operational seat, knowing outreach backwards and forwards, that was the first approach um, was knowing, okay, I know everything about our outreach. Now I need to be able to convey that um, to the donors that we work with. Um, so that's kind of a, a very short version of my journey into the world of nonprofit development. Yeah. You know, it's always interesting when I talk to somebody else who does fundraising for a living, you know, and really enjoys it like I do, you know, it is, it is one of those, it's a career field that you don't ever like, you know, one day dream of being a fundraiser, but once you get into yeah. it, it really, I mean, isn't it, isn't it great? Isn't fundraising great? <laughs> When it's done right, it absolutely is. Uh, when you're given the freedom and ability to do it in the way that it should be done, that's relationally driven, it absolutely is. Yeah. Okay. So tell me what part, like what makes you passionate about raising funds and, and doing the fundraising role in the organization you're in right now? So um, it would be a passion point and a little bit of a soapbox. So I'll make it brief. Okay. Um, when you think about a cause, whatever that cause is that you care about so deeply, and probably the reason you got into fundraising to begin with, um, that is what everybody thinks about is your first priority. Um, so clean water, for example, um, if that happens to be um, the cause that you guys are uh, you know, putting as your primary function, everything that you do is centered around making sure that more people get clean water. And oftentimes, even with that thinking about it subconsciously, everybody on the team and even a development staff member um, can take the fundraising element and put that on the back burner, if you will. Uh, fundraising can easily slip into, well, this is what we have to do mm -hmm. in order to get to where we really want to be, which is investing in our outreach or our cause or our mission. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I think it's a huge missed opportunity. Um, my huge passion point is that the cause you care about should be just as important as the people who are helping make that cause a reality. Mm. Um, and I think that's what nonprofit development and fundraising is really all about. You should put as much energy and effort and energy into building relationships 
with your donors and your partners and the people that help make what you do possible as you should investing in the outreach side of making that outreach come to fruition or reality. Um, because in the long run, what you're seeing is that people in the donor space are being transformed, which is what we're all after, at the same time that the people you're serving directly on the ground are being transformed. Um, everybody loves a story, and a story is only good if there's transformation. And if you approach development and fundraising appropriately, you get transformed as the volunteer or staff member. The people you serve get transformed. And the donors who are seeing their hard-earned money and their investment turn into life change are getting transformed as well. Um, and that's really powerful. Evan, Evan, <laughs> like, come on. Like that. Is that a wrap? Are we that, done? Can that, we go that, talk about barbecue now? Come on. <laughs> like, that is it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> like, I mean, because I, I do find myself, especially as a fundraising consultant and coach, trying to pull people, maybe like, I love that you're at like 90% all in on your outreach and your mission. You know, mm -hmm. I love that you love your mission so much that you are going to, you know, you are just going for it and you're putting all that energy in there. But just what you said, like, I mean, the, the, if, if people would put the same amount of energy into their outreach as, or their fundraising as their outreach, like transformation will happen on every single front. And right. I, th I think that, and you know, you and I have firsthand experience of watching lives being changed because of their giving. And I, I think that once you do get a taste of that in a really big way where you're like, oh my gosh, that person just gave X dollars and you know, they love mm -hmm. us. Like they, they love love, love, love this work. And they're so excited to be a part of it. You, you don't feel any of that obligation. You don't feel any of that, you know, burden of asking people for money. You're like, okay, trust me, you're going to love us. <laughs> like, you know, you, you're just waiting yeah. for the life change to happen. So thank you for sharing that. That's really a beautiful way of putting it. And, you know, I mean, you've been on such a fundraising journey. You worked for a university, you worked for, you know, domestic mm -hmm. outreach. I mean, like you've, you've had your hand you mentioned you know mission work so you know like as you've gone through this i mean um you clearly have a a fundraising story a journey that you've gone through but is there anything like about your your journey of of you know working in this space that you like you know that lights you up that like really um makes all the difference in the work that you do um yes seeing firsthand um the work that you're uh, really passionate about or the cause that your mission supports, being able to see that firsthand is really important. Uh, I know several folks um, who have never really tangibly seen the difference that their organization is making on the ground. And ideally that would be in person, but maybe that's through, you know, some kind of video conferencing or some other means as well. But if you have an opportunity um, to see real life change in person and see what that's um, doing for the community or the people that you're serving, um, man, that's extremely powerful. Mm -hmm. And when I think about everything, it's in the context of relationship. So very rarely do I make a 
cold call and say, hey, here's a project and can you fund this project? In fact, I, I would venture to say that that just doesn't happen at all. Mm-hmm. Everything is within the context of relationship. It's all about uh, caring about the individual needs of the donors. Um, for instance, I've got an ongoing list that I keep when someone mentions, uh, you know, in a faith-based context, maybe it's a prayer request or the fact that they just lost a loved one and whether that's sending them a handwritten note card um, or following up with them maybe two weeks later to see how they're doing or uh, realizing that in the midst of this current pandemic, they're stuck at home with their 1,200 kids. It's three kids, but it feels like 1,200 kids. (laughs) (laughs) And checking in to see how they're doing. Those moments matter. Um, And it's only through the context of relationship um, that people really feel valued. And if all you're ever doing is talking about the money, or if you feel self-conscious as a fundraiser, mm-hmm. and you feel like, oh my gosh, I don't even know how to approach money. People feel that. Mm-hmm. They can almost smell that. <laughs> and you have to have a relationship built before you can traverse any of those other waters. Yeah. It's really good. And I, you know, Evan, I'm just curious, you know, with your own personal journey, are you calling on those people? Are you sending them thank you cards uh, because you want their money or are you, are you, I mean, you genuinely care, right? Um, Genuinely care. And um, that's what I love about the uh, organization that I am a part of now. And so many other friends like you who are doing um, development in a way that really cares about the individual. Um, it doesn't mean that in certain contexts you can't have um, goals and aspirations or even uh, you know quotas for individual staff members. I know that there's some boundaries and some, some healthy mile markers there. Um, but for me in my context and for what I'm seeing, everything is about going on a journey with folks and that's thanking them. And that's realizing that I'm not the only piece of what's happening in their world. Um, thankfully, our organization um, is really, really strong in the department of communication and updates. And so all of the work that they're supporting isn't just communicated through me. I am just one piece of that puzzle when they get on the phone with me or when they get a voicemail or they get an email from me. Mm-hmm. And it all starts with thanking and finding ways to make personal connections and let them know that we're human. Uh, I will not out the organization, but I had a call earlier this year, I think it was in January, and it was for a group that I had supported. And it wasn't a large donation, uh, but we believed in the cause. And somebody got on the phone and offered me a matching grant opportunity. As you know, Not uncommon. I love the approach. If it's done right, it can serve so many folks and double impact. And um, so I I love the concept. But what they did was you could tell they were clearly reading off the script. And when they were done, I was in the I was in the car and I said, um, I just want to take a moment and pause and say, I know that what you're doing is really hard work. Um, I appreciate you. How long have you been with the organization? Um, and she paused for a moment and she reread her script, uh, it, word oh for no. word, oh no. uh, script again. And I said, um, you know, 
I just want to reiterate that it's it's okay and you don't have to, you know, put on a face or anything. I just genuinely want to know how long have you been at the organization and do you really love the work and why do you care about the mission? And she's like, well, I don't know that I really have time to talk about that. Oh my God. Um, and so I'm sure that there were some well-meaning pieces of context behind that that I just wasn't privy to. Um, but after trying two and three different passes at making an actual connection with the person that was on the phone, I just realized that it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. And the important thing for everyone, myself included, to remember is that if you're doing any kind of nonprofit development work, even if you're not the founder, you are that donor's direct connect mm -hmm. to your organization. And if you don't take the time to make a personal connect with them, it impacts the entire way that they think and feel about your organization and not just you. Yeah. Um, so. Wow. Wow. I mean, like, and, and that's where telemarketing and feeling like you're just a number and nobody likes to feel that on the other end. That's, it doesn't feel good. And, you know, it's interesting because I, I was just coaching a, a group of people today and somebody had asked if I had a script, you know, on what I like, what do I say when I invite somebody to volunteer? And so I, I told him, I said, I know I, I don't have a template. I don't have a script <laughs> because I mean, when it comes down to it, I'm like, I don't want anybody to feel like this conversation is, is formulaic in any form, in any way. I'm like, I, I genuinely reached out to you because I think that you'd be a good fit for a volunteer role that I have available. And when I thought about somebody, you were the first person that, that came to mind and that was genuine. And yeah. so I think sometimes when you do get those scripts, although like people think it's a good idea to give their volunteers scripts and to like, okay, you know, that way they don't screw up and they don't say anything that's, you know, doesn't fall in line with our, our mission and vision. I, I think that, like you said, they have good intentions, but in the end, people who give want to feel like they're a part of something and they're connected with real humans, <laughs> like real, real that's people. That's right. So. And that's where bullet points are essential for me. Um, I, I know several folks who use, uh, you know, a bullet file script so that they don't forget uh, a phone number. <laughs> you know, if, if they want to make sure that there's something that is a follow-up item, they're giving them the right phone number. You know, that's fantastic. I think you're right. A completely scripted approach that doesn't have any humanity to it um, is a lost opportunity. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, thank you for sharing that. That's, you know, something to just for all of us to remember as, you know, as you do grow and you start to bring in other people who are going to speak on your behalf, uh, definitely wanting to make sure that they have some, uh, some talking points, but yeah, that they, they also know that they are, they're okay to have a conversation and talk as long as they need. <laughs> but on that note, yeah. on that note, I'm curious, um, just as far as, you know, your own personal experience and, uh, it, what you're seeing within your own organization, which by the way, do you mind sharing real quick about um, what you do at Joyce Meyer Ministries right now? Absolutely. Um, so our role is actually um, a team called Partner Care. And um, within that, um, we are direct advocates on behalf of the folks who partner with us each and every day. Um, of course, there is a very robust um, 
teaching opportunity that um, stems out of Joyce's heart and ability to write and speak. Um, but in addition to that, a lot of folks uh, maybe aren't aware that we have a number of humanitarian and outreach related projects. And so that would be everything from um, clean water initiatives and human trafficking prevention, disaster relief. Um, and currently in my role, I'm doing um, a little bit of both. So I still uh, facilitate some of our outreach efforts. And um, in the midst of that also, um, you know, jump on our partner care team to interact with donors um, and partners on a regular basis. And um, absolutely love it. It's, it's an amazing opportunity and uh, it's a privilege. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, and for those of you guys who are not familiar with Joyce Meyer, I mean, like she is one of the premier, the top, you know, Christian leaders out there who, I mean, she just has led a lot of people <laughs> uh, to the faith and um, mm -hmm. yeah, just an incredible woman. Um, and so, you know, of course she is a personal brand and has an incredible ministry, but, it, but it has obviously branched off into a lot of different uh, impact areas, which, you know, of course the dream center, many people are familiar with dream centers all over the country. And so, I mean, yeah. just I, almost every church in this community in St. Louis, I mean, they have some connection to, to the dream center and to the work that Joyce Meyer does. And just because it's such a staple part of our community. So whether you're a faith or not, like, you know, this is just an, an organization that clearly is making an impact. And so, um, I just, number one, thank you for the work that you're doing. Cause I mean, like the donors, the people that are coming in are clearly transforming our community. And that means a lot to me personally. So, um, yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> but, but well, it means on, a lot to me too. So I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah. Well, and so I know that we're, you know, in a different season right now, this is, you know, we've gone through this whole social distancing time and, you know, maybe some things that used to work in the past, you know, maybe they aren't working anymore. And I just wanted to catch from your own perspective, what are you guys, uh, you know, doing now that, uh, didn't work in the past, you know, or I mean, worked in the past, but isn't working now. So, um, you know, what, what sorts of things have you switched up in order to make sure that your fundraising is, is effective during this season? That is a great question. Um, so I think what we were already seeing, um, was maybe expedited to another level. And this would be true, uh, kind of across the entire, spectrum of anybody who would be in fundraising or marketing or some branch of communication um, is that produced polished content uh, is not nearly as effective as raw and personal content. Um, there's still a need to be professional in terms of how you conduct yourself and the words that you say and the way that you go about your business. But if you look at folks, even in the corporate sector, take um, Jimmy Fallon, for instance. Anybody who might follow him um, knows that he has a huge, ginormous team who does amazing things uh, from a tech perspective. Each and every show, when they're in person with an audience in New York City, and he pivoted in the moment of all of this coronavirus pandemic happening and is now doing Instagram videos with his wife being the primary filmmaker and his two daughters doing arts and logos with crayons on a paper and holding them up whenever he pivots to them. And um, 
that shows a level of raw humanity that people can connect with. Mm-hmm. Because in a moment like this, sure, people respect um, someone who has it all together. But when you are responsibly transparent and you showcase uh, a new level of authenticity and humanity, people resonate with that and respect it. Um, and so I would say across the board, that would mean that if we were going to produce uh, some sort of video that was um, highly uh, you know, polished and well done and every element was thought through with multiple camera angles, um, we're now seeing that a Facebook Live and an Instagram Live video or something that's shot with an iPhone um, can make just as much difference as something that's polished and it resonates with people more. Um, And I would say that that is the case for all of the marketing that I'm seeing is people who are authentic and responsibly transparent are winning the day. Mm, That's really great. And I agree. I totally agree with that because, you know, when it comes down to it, people just want to know what your motive is. (laughs) Like, what do you, what do you, what do you, what do you want? What are you, what are you trying to get at? And when you start to see these commercials that are shifting and they're trying to show like that they're relatable and that they, they understand what you've been going through, it does, it just puts people in, you know, you, you, the, the wall comes down a little bit and then you feel a little bit more comfortable with them. And so that's really great advice. But I also like the fact that you said you still need to be professional. <laughs> so like, yes, it's you still got to wear pants. You still got to wear pants. <laughs> so. You still have to wear pants please for um everything that we care about please please wear pants right <laughs> but when people you know making those calls and having you know the conversation with people that's where i always lean on with the authenticity and you know just being genuine and give people a reason why you're actually connecting with them if if you're calling because you're just asking for money well people can smell that out and they're like i don't got time for that <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know plenty of people asking for my money, but I, I think that there's something special about even what you said earlier about, you know, like I'm calling, I'm following up on maybe a prayer request or, you know, Hey, I know that they've got a lot of kids and they're at home and life is probably crazy. And who's actually caring about them during this season. And I think that comes right back to this raw and personal, you know, them, you care about them. You're going to be the one who's going to pick up the phone and reach out to them. So uh, really great, really great advice there. So as, you know, just keeping on the same pattern of advice. uh, So I often get quite a few people who listen to the show who are fairly new to fundraising or they're trying to take their fundraising to the next level. So Mm -hmm. I'm curious what advice you'd give to someone who's just getting started. You know, they're just someone who's trying to, you know, they're taking it to the next level. Uh, What would you recommend that they do right now to, to, to really increase their, their fundraising efforts? Um, that's a great question. That's a really great question. Um, first, we live in a digital age where we have so many details at our fingertips. Um, I would say if you enjoy research as I do, um, I am a researcher through and through, um, get acclimated with what people are saying out in the uh, nonprofit development space in terms of folks who are providing um, good resources. And uh, Mary, you would be in that category. Align yourself with people who've been where you haven't been before so that you can hopefully learn from their wins and their mistakes before you have the opportunity to make that same mistake. Um, Secondly, 
don't put too much pressure on yourself. Um, this is a long game, not a quick or a short one. If you're jumping into um, any kind of development or donor-based arena, um, the reality is that um, connection moves at the speed of relationship and relationship takes time. And in the day and age that we live in, you can't microwave or fabricate a relationship unless it's been tested by a little bit of time. And that's gonna take, um, who knows, your context is probably different than mine, but that could take several months of the occasional connect before someone even answers their phone. And that could even be years of reaching out before you get some kind of authentic connect. So don't look for some sort of tangible stat or metric that says I'm winning or losing right out of the gate because it won't happen. Mm-hmm. You know, I love that you just said that. I was just on a, a call talking with a, a donor of an organization that I work with. And, you know, she said the exact same thing that it's like, build those relationships, take your time. And, and I think that we are in an age of instant gratification instant information, you know, we, we want to move fast and we're always, you know, Oh, it should have been done yesterday. Like how much do you, you know, I'll ask how much do you want to raise? And it's like, you know, they'll give me a number. And then it's like, yeah, but I like, that's just even to maintain, to keep our doors open. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like (laughs) we cannot live in the, like, you know, trying to, um, paycheck to paycheck, you know, we can't live that way. And, uh, you know, somebody even asked me, they're like, how long do you usually give for fundraisers? Like, how long does it usually take? And I'm like, to be honest, (laughs) (laughs) I was like, to be honest with you, 18 months. Mm -hmm. And I know that that is just like insanity to people when I'm like, if I'm going to put on a signature fundraiser, something that's going to raise a significant amount of money, I'm not talking about $10,000 or a couple thousand dollars. Like people can just write that check. Don't plan an event. (laughs) Like, you know, like people can just write checks for that. But like when you're doing something that's like, this is going to be a signature thing that we do. It's that building campaign, that really large scale thing. Like it's an anniversary or whatever. I'm always like, you got to give it 18 months. Like people can write that check today, but like you got to prepare and, and look like you actually have your stuff together. <laughs> like, you know, so, right. so I, I appreciate that comment about, you know, this is, it's, it really isn't a microwave approach. And um, now if you're trying to raise money, like a lemonade stand and little kids, you know, just put your, you know, bucket out there and, and ask for some, a couple bucks here and there. That's one thing <laughs> like that, but that's not yeah. the kind of fundraising that you and I, and most of the people who are listening are trying to accomplish. So, um, so I appreciate that research and don't too much pre- put, don't put too much pressure. <laughs> I gotta say that. Don't put too much pressure yeah. on yourself. Um, really good. Really good. Okay. So this is the fundraising freedom podcast. So I'm always curious what fundraising freedom means to my guests. So what does fundraising freedom, just the hearing that, what does that mean to you? Um, first of all, I, I love the name and I would probably go back to one of our earlier statements is that when fundraising is done right, um, it changes everything. And that unlocks freedom for you as the development staff or volunteer point person and the people that you serve and the people that are helping you serve it. Um, 
oftentimes what I um, look at on a regular basis would be um, a research pyramid that was produced by Bain. And I can send you the, um, the link. It's a value elements pyramid that tells you exactly, based on years and years of research, 30 different value points that people um, engage in if they're going to buy a product, a service, or give to a nonprofit. Um, there has to be some kind of tangible benefit, even if that means that you are reducing risk or you're saving time or you're connecting them with someone that they couldn't connect with on their own. Mm -hmm. And when I look at a pyramid like that, what I see is that you're helping folks move from something they don't have and couldn't have on their own to something that they now achieve. And that transformation is pivotal. And for the people that you serve, it is they didn't have clean water, and now they do. And for the people that are helping make it possible, it's you want to make a difference, but you likely don't know how, and we can help make that possible for you. Um, people don't care about um, your idea or your abstract concept unless it's solving a problem. And it sounds very rudimentary, but on a basic human level, everybody is looking to have their problem solved. And so taking time to invest in that unlocks so much freedom for everyone from donor all the way to end recipient. And it takes time, but it's worth the investment. Really good. Really good. Oh, I love that. And so, you know, we forget that our donors have a problem. I mean, that there mm -hmm. is a whole population of people who have a problem and that you as the leader of an organization, volunteer board member, whatever, you have the solution to their problem. That's right. And, and it really is. It's our job to open up the door and to take them on that journey with us, you know, so I love that, you know, and it, it also transitions here. Cause I, I wanted to just give you an opportunity to, to share a little bit about, um, the marketing work that you do. You are, um, a story brand certified guide and a copywriter. So when you work with nonprofits and you work with, um, you know, faith-based organizations on their copywriting and their, you know, just their process, I would assume that you carry a lot of this knowledge from your, your personal experience into that, but I'd love for you to share just a little mm -hmm. bit about what you do when it comes to that, that side of the work that, that you're into. I appreciate that. Um, it absolutely does inform um, every part of any marketing campaign or project that I work on. And I think that would be true of anybody, um, your life experiences and where you've been and what you've gone through. Um, help inform the kind of person you are and the kind of decisions that you make today. And so everything that I do is centered around, okay, if we're in uh, a marketing project and we're building a website or we're producing an email campaign or we're writing copy for a certain deliverable, um, it's taking the approach that nobody cares about how great you think your business or your nonprofit is. Um, inherently, they may believe that, but people are really compelled to action when you place them at the center point of the story and make them the hero. And you become the transformative guide who helps walk them 
from where they're currently at to where you know they want to be. And so many organizations, time and time again, keep talking about, uh, well, we have done this many projects and we have funded this many efforts and we have seen this many lives changed. So that means you should come be a part of what we're doing. When really you should flip that script and say, you have helped reach this many people through our initiative. We couldn't do it without you. And we're so grateful to be in partnership with you. Let's go serve more people. And so um, I would say if anybody is in a role of donor development or marketing, if your team is big enough and your donor development and your marketing personnel are not talking, that is a huge problem. Your donor fundraising team needs to be joined at the hip with your marketing folks. And if your organization happens to just be you and you wear both of those hats, drink lots of coffee. <laughs> you can get it done, but make sure that your development fundraising piece is uniquely tied into the message that you're sending people. And for me, that means like one project I'm working on now means that as we're building a website for a nonprofit, that we have an entire sales funnel sequence built around uh, the people who need their help so that they better understand and begin to trust them and the work that they do. And we're building a completely separate funnel that's geared towards their donors that says, this is the kind of work you're making possible. Let's go make more of that work happen together. Um, so I'd say that it's really an equal partnership of making sure that you invest, like we had said before, on both sides of the fence, because you'll see a dividend when you invest equally in your donors and in your operations. Really great. Well, and if you guys have pulled anything, oh, like, I mean, come on, like just that, that you got to invest the same amount of time you know, on, on the side of really engaging with your donors at the same and equal level as you engage the constituents and the people that you serve. And although we are all in the nonprofit space because we want to serve more of the constituents, like we want to serve this population that needs our help. I get that, but it is this 50, 50, you know, combination. I often kind of use this right hand, left hand, uh, in, in the nonprofit space, you have to do twice as much work and people, you know, it's, it's hard because you're like, ah, oh, like nonprofits should be easy and they should be fun. And I was like, no, they're hard <laughs> because, <laughs> because we have to, yeah, you have to market and do everything for two completely different populations of people. And That's like right. you said, there's a different sales funnel. There's a different story. There's a different conversation. Like all of that is just so uniquely different for each part of, uh, you know, piece of, of the puzzle here. So, all right. Well, on that note, uh, if, if somebody wants to connect with you, Evan, what's the best way that they can do that? Maybe they need some help with copywriting, with marketing, or, you know, maybe just need some, uh, an extra set of ears <laughs> when it comes to, to fundraising. What's the best way that somebody can reach out to you? Absolutely. I would, uh, I would love to connect. I think you're right. There's value in just finding folks who have a shared experience. And I would love to be that for anybody um, who happens to be listening today. You can find me at evancoxconsulting.com. Uh, All of my contact information is there. And I also have um, a free resource I'll continue to put out 
uh, new resources in the months to come and uh, would love to find and connect with everybody uh, via evancoxconsulting.com. Great. Well, I will make sure that there's a link in the show notes and then also um, make sure that we get that value elements pyramid in there as well so that you guys have access to it. And uh, on yeah. that note, on that note, Evan, what um, if you have any parting piece of advice for those who are listening in, want to give you the last word and then we'll wrap up here. Don't give up and don't be too hard on yourself. Um, I think there's a lot of folks that give up before that 18 month mark <laughs> that you talked yeah, about. Yeah. And they may be in month 17 thinking, Oh my gosh, I have not seen any fruit and they could be raising funds. They could be doing the frontline work for a nonprofit. They could be investing in some kind of marketing effort. Um, don't give up. Don't throw in the towel too early and don't be too hard on yourself. I think what you said, surrounding yourself with the right people um, who can kind of be there to be a buffer and a sounding board, man, that, that's so vital and valuable. I know I have that. You had mentioned that you have that as well. Um, so I would say just don't give up, keep going. And it's a long game, but it's worth it in the end. Yeah. All right. I love it. Don't give up. Don't be so hard on yourself. Oh yes. All right. Well, thank you, Evan. It's just been a joy, a joy always uh, to spend time with you and appreciate your wisdom. Uh, you know, you've, you've been through a lot. You've uh, done a lot of fundraising, but I think that it's incredible that you still come back to the very basics of fundraising, which is relationships. And we all need to hear that. It's a reminder that we've got to engage with people every single day, making that connection, meeting people where they're at. So uh, thank you guys yeah. for listening in. And um, thanks, Evan, again. And be sure to check out Evan at uh, evancoxconsulting.com. All right. <laughs> so, all right, guys, hope you have a great week. Let's go change the world one volunteer and one dollar at a time. <laughs>